Happy Easter, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. We uh, unfortunately don't have our uh, Easter cheerleader. Lily was uh, in the first service and uh, she did her little Easter cheer, but she had to go home uh, for this service, but she'll be back for the 12 o'clock service. Um, So that means nothing to you guys. But uh, just, just stay. But, and Diamond is going to be here for the 12 o'clock service to root me on. It'll be the first time she's been in church in a little while um, after uh, we had baby Dewey. Did you guys hear about that? You heard through uh, social media and everything. And he'll be here in a couple weeks to, to meet everybody. Uh, I am so excited about this Easter sermon. This is like every preacher's dream to be able to preach on Easter. And I pray that you enjoy this sermon as much as I enjoy, uh, enjoyed writing it. Uh, so go with me now to Luke chapter 23 and verse 44. Uh, this is the last statement that Jesus makes on the cross. Jesus made uh, seven statements from the cross. He, he said first, he said, uh, today I will be with you in paradise to the thief on the cross. He said uh, to the people, the Roman soldiers that were putting the nails in his hands, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. He said to his mother, mother, behold your son, James, James, behold your mother to assure that his mother was not going to be forsaken. Uh, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He said, I thirst. Uh, he said, it is finished uh, because once everything was done, it is finished. Nothing more needs to be done. There's nothing that you could add to what Jesus has already done. You just freely receive. And then this is his final seventh statement on the cross. I'm going to read to you right now. Verse 44. Now, it was about noon and darkness came over the whole land until about three in the afternoon. For the sun had stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, pitch dark, darkness everywhere. Three o'clock in the afternoon and it is pitch dark, scary scene. But if you know the Bible, if you know what God said in Genesis when he created the heavens and the earth, he said the first day was the evening and the morning, which means God never ends in darkness. So there was darkness on the cross, but God never ends that way. And then Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he, with his last breath, said those final words. And then... At that moment, they took Jesus, they put him in the borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, uh, borrowed it, didn't buy it because Jesus is a good steward of money. He knew that he was only going to need it for a few days. So they borrowed a tomb, put Jesus in the tomb. And and even though Jesus had told everyone, I'm going to be raised on the third day, everyone believed the present more than they believed the promise. And they forsook Jesus. They they went back to who they used to be. And uh, there's these two disciples we're going to read about that went back to their hometown called Emmaus. They lost their hope. They put their hope in Jesus. They followed him for three and a half years. And then when they saw their hope die on the cross, their hopes died with him. And now they are going back to where they used to be, going back to who they used to be on the road to Emmaus on Sunday morning. And I'm going to read verse 13 to you right now, chapter 24. Now that same day, two of them, the disciples, uh, go into a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about everything that had just happened. They talked and discussed these things. And then as they're talking, this is one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. Just snuck up right on them. Jesus is sneaky. 
He's going to sneak up on someone this morning. Won't even see it coming. And he snuck up on them, but they didn't recognize him. And then Jesus asked them a question. Hey, what are you guys talking about? Uh, Can I walk along with you? And uh, they stood still. Their faces were depressed and downcast. And one of them named Cleopas, that's why he's downcast. His name is Cleopas. Don't ever name your kids Cleopas. Not a great name. And he said to them, are you the only one who is visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? What things, Jesus said. And they began to say about Jesus of Nazareth. It's funny. They're talking about Jesus to Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for what you are going to do in this worship experience that we get to to come in here and and sing songs and pray to a God that is not dead, that is alive and ever-present today with us. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody says, anyone ever been looking for something and you're looking everywhere and you realize that it is right in front of you? Been looking for your glasses everywhere. And then you ask your wife, honey, have you seen my glasses? And her response is, honey, they're on your head. Idiot. What are you doing? Anyone ever ever been there before? Looking for your keys and they're in your pocket, looking for something, and it is right in front of you. Ever been looking for somebody, talking about that person, and they're literally right in front of you, and you don't even realize that you're talking about that person that's right in front of you because you heard about them, but you didn't know what they looked like, Right? That happened to me, me and Diamond one time. I was a guest preacher at this church in Tom's River called Shore Vineyard. And uh, I, the, I talked to the pastor over the phone, uh, but we had never met face to face. And so I was there to preach for the 9 a.m. service. Got there about 8.30 and uh, pull in and uh, Diamond's with me. We, we walk into the church and uh, we ask, where's the pastor? They show us where the pastor is. I go, hi, we're, we're here for the, the 9 a.m. service. And he's like, oh, we, it doesn't start for another half hour. Uh, you could just go in the lobby, uh, drink some coffee. We have free, free coffee there. Uh, where did you guys uh, come from? Are you first-time guests? Uh, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm the pastor. I'm Pastor Isaac. This is my wife, Diamond. I'm preaching this morning at your church. And he said to me, oh, oh my goodness, I, with those names, I thought you were going to be either black or Puerto Rican. And so I was like, I never <laughs> got called that before, but I'll take it, right? And, Right in front of him, had no idea. Uh, another instance I, w- I thought of the other night, uh, it was a couple years ago. Uh, we had just moved to the House of Independence for our services, and uh, I like to go to this little cafe across the street called Lola's. Anyone ever been there? Shout out to Lola's. Great place for a gelato, some coffee, phenomenal ambiance. And so I'm in there, and uh, I, when, I, uh, when I'm around town, I don't dress very nice, I'll be honest. I'm like sweatpants, t-shirt. If I have like meetings, I dress nice. If I have counseling, uh, but, but when I'm like at the gym or around town, I'm very incognito. And so I pull up to uh, Lola's, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm eating, and the, the woman at Lola's says, that is, a, that is a lovely cross you have there. Are you a Christian? I said, yes, I'm a Christian. And and I was literally just about to tell her about our church. And she says, have you heard of Shore Christian Church? And, and I said, um, I, yeah, I, 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 I have. And I, I was just about to tell her that I'm the pastor. She didn't even let me finish the statement. She goes, you have to go to this church. I was there two weeks ago, and it was incredible. The pastor was preaching this sermon about tattoos, piercings, and ripped jeans. And it was amazing. And he talked about how this world wants to permanently ink your mind with all these negative thoughts. But Jesus has come to renew your mind from the negative to the positive. And, and I came in there, and you got to go to this church. And she started preaching my 
sermon back to me at Lola's. And I'm just like, deep thought, like, this is awesome. Best conversation I've ever had. And, and at the end, you know, like, I'm like, what was your name again? She said, uh, her name, and then uh, she said, what's your name? I said, I'm Pastor Isaac Friedel of Shore Christian Church. Thank you for reading my sermon back to me. Uh, I'm glad you were paying attention. Uh, so you, you could be around people and not even realize who you are around. And if you knew how close Jesus was to you every step of the way, you wouldn't be so negative all the time. You wouldn't be so depressed and discouraged if you knew that he was right beside you the whole time and you just couldn't even recognize him just like these disciples. Disciples on the road to Emmaus back home and Jesus walks right up next to him and one of them named Cleopas starts telling Jesus about Jesus and how they were hoping that Jesus was the one. That's what he's telling Jesus. They had hoped that Jesus was their savior. They put their hopes in Jesus, but when Jesus died on the cross, they lost and their hopes died on that cross with them, with him. And now they're discouraged. Now they're downcast. I feel like that's one of the greatest things that separates people from a relationship with Christ is their disappointments. Their disappointments have separated them from God. They got their hopes up that God was going to be there for them in this moment. And it didn't go the way that they expected. And after that moment, they decided to walk and go find hope somewhere else. And go find a savior somewhere else. And, and go find uh, their their hope in another place. And that's what these disciples are doing. And that's the first step in, in our journey. You ready to go on a journey with me? Are you ready? Turn to the person next to you and say, are you ready? Then turn to your second choice and say, are you ready? No offense that you're my second choice. Let's get it on. First step in this journey is resisting. Returning. Isn't that the first step in our journey with Jesus is, is that moment where we get disappointed and we walk away from him. We turn and walk in the other direction. What's, what things, he asked about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. Well, he was a prophet, powerful in word and in deed before God and all the people. But the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more is today is the third day since all of this took place. When they saw Jesus handed over to be sentenced to death, they handed over their hopes. That word uh, handed him over. Uh, the Bible wasn't written in English. Did you know that? It was, it was written in this language called, called Greek. Anyone speak Greek here? I don't speak Greek. I'm sorry to disappoint you. Uh, but I do know this one word in Greek. Uh, and, and, and I researched it. I read this book on it. It's a really powerful book. Uh, and it, it says that that word handed him over is this Greek word called paradidomai. Say paradidomai. Paradidomai. You're, gonna, you're, you're learning something already. You're going to go home. They're going to say, what did you learn in church? I learned Greek in church. Paradidomai. It's throughout the... The, the New Testament, because it says when Jesus handed Jesus over to 
the high priest, paradidomai. When the high priest handed Jesus over to Pilate, paradidomai. When Pilate handed Jesus over to be crucified by the Roman soldiers, that same word is used. And the same word is used by, by these men as they're talking about how they handed their hopes over when they saw Jesus dying on the cross. They, they thought that Jesus was going to be the one that they had hoped for. Anyone ever gotten their hopes up before? And then they get let down. Anyone ever got your hopes up for a person that you thought from death do us part actually meant from death do us part, but you, you got your hopes up and you got let down. You put your hopes in other people. You, you got your hopes in a promise that somebody made to you. Has that ever happened to you before? I think in some way it's happened to all of us. And what happens when you get your hopes up and they get let down? It's a sick feeling, isn't it? It's one of the most discouraging feelings that you could have, especially when it's somebody that you love lets you down. The Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And these men, they have a, heart, a sick heart. They're downcast and they're headed home looking for hope somewhere else. But what I love is hope shows up right next to them. And they were looking for it somewhere else, but then Jesus, in all his hope, comes right next to them. See, when things get uncomfortable, we return to what's familiar. I, I've been working out at this gym, Easy Fit Gym, uh, awesome place. Uh, what's up, Thomas? Thomas has lost 80 pounds at Easy Fit Gym. You're my hero, Thomas. I love you. <laughs> Representing this morning. And so they, they tell us that, that you got to be very careful because the times you get hurt the most is when you get tired. Because when you get tired, you go back to that bad form that you're comfortable with. And that's the same with every single one of us is when, you're, when you get uncomfortable, when the pressure's on, when tough times come, you go back to comfort foods, comfort friends, comfort whatever. But just because they make you comfortable doesn't mean that they're good for you. You have to step into your calling by stepping out of your comfort. I thought that was pretty good. I thought I'd get maybe a better response from this 1030 service. As somebody here, you're getting uncomfortable, but God has you in his hands because you're about to step into your calling. And they're giving up. After three days, three days. Don't you think you would have wanted to like, wait one more day? Like, I get that they gave up, right, Ron? I mean, you've given up at things before, right? Sure, yeah, me, I, I have. But, I mean, come on, three days. Jesus said on the third day, did, you, if you read the Bible, and if you don't, I'll tell you, Jesus told them exactly what was going to happen throughout his ministry. I'm going to suffer many things. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die. But on the third day, I will rise again. He told them everything, but it is amazing what we forget when darkness comes in our life. We so often forget the promise that Jesus spoke into our life in the light when it starts to get dark in our life. That's why you have to remember that the promise still stands. And so it's the third day and they have already lost their hope. They're disappointed. And so the third day comes and rather than being where they were supposed to be in Jerusalem to witness the resurrection, I mean, they had an appointment at the tomb. Jesus told, if I made an appointment with you, Van, and I say, I say, Van, three days, I want you to be here. It's going to be spectacular. I'm going to do this amazing thing, and I want you to be there to witness it. And three days come, and you're not there. You missed the appointment. 
You missed your chance to be there to see me break dance. You could have been the first person to ever see Pastor Isaac break dance, and you could have been that witness, but you missed it. Don't let your disappointments allow you to miss your appointments. Keep those appointments that God has promised in your life. But what I love about Jesus is they get disappointed. They see their hopes hung on the cross. They turn their back on Jesus. They walk seven miles the wrong direction, seven miles with their backs to Jesus, the backs to where they're supposed to be. But Jesus, he'll reschedule you just like that. And Jesus walks up to them even when they turn their backs on Jesus. That's the kind of God that we serve. Even when you turn your back on him, even when you say, I'm gonna go back to where I used to be, I'm gonna go back to comfort, Jesus chases after you. That is the love that he has. And he rolls up on them. And, and number two, my second point um, is, uh, uh, first is, is what resisting. That's what we do. Some of you have resisted because you got your hopes up and, and hopes got deferred and, and you're walking back. And the second thing that Jesus does is he reveals. He reveals. He, he shows up right next to him. But Jesus is sneaky. Did you know that? I don't know why I'm just picking on you this morning, Van, but did you know that? It's a lucky day. He's sneaky. Uh, You've witnessed that. Amen. But we don't ever really talk about that. We should do a series called Sneaky Jesus. (laughs) I think that'll work. I think I get some people in some seats preaching a sermon called Sneaky Jesus because we talk about like strong Jesus Power, and, and yes, he is strong. He is powerful. He is sovereign. All those things will preach, but, but he, he's sneaky. I mean, if I was Jesus, which I'm not, obviously, uh, it, but, but if I was, what I would do uh, is I, I would get up out of that tomb. I'd grab my cell phone, smartphone, and I'd just be like, what up? I'm back, baby. Hashtag knock, knock. Who's there? Nobody's home. I'm alive. You know, lights, camera, action, smoke machine. You know, like, like, where's my backup crew? I need some angels behind me singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. Like, that's what I would do because I want to make a big announcement to the world that I'm alive, I'm the Savior, right? You're clapping. Why are you clapping? Because Jesus didn't do that. We would have liked him to. We would have liked him to write things in the sky, but he doesn't do that. Why, Sandy? Because he's sneaky. <laughs> and, and there was this one time, it's hysterical. The disciples are in a category four hurricane. They think they're going to die. And Jesus just starts creeping up on them on the water. The Bible says that he was going to just pass them by. And they looked and they thought it was Patrick Swayze. <laughs> Ghost joke, if you got it. But it wasn't. It was, it was G, because he's, he's sneaky, and he snuck up on Cleopas and this other disciple, and they didn't, because Jesus shows up in ordinary things that most people just look 
aside from. He shows up in ordinary people. He doesn't show up in the clouds all the time. He shows up in the mundane things of life. And if you are not attentive, if you are always looking for God to show up in a certain way in your life, you will miss him. But God says, I'm going to sneak up on you this Sunday morning. You thought you were just coming to check this off your calendar, but God is sneaking up on you this morning to let you know he's still walking beside you. Even when you turn your back on him, he never turned his back on you. And he's sneaky like that. Don't leave too early. First service, I, I, I got to close and people just left. Yeah, I was angry. I almost chased them down in the parking lot. Don't leave too early. Don't be like that, that like adolescent white girl at all the horror movies. It's like everyone's in the, you know, I didn't say this in the first, I don't know why this came to me. You know, everyone's in the living room and she's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go outside for a minute. And she's dead. First one to get her head cut off. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Got to stay when it gets uncomfortable, when it gets a little difficult. When, when the suffering makes you want to just walk away, but I want you to know the glory that God wants to reveal through you and in you comes through some of the most suffering situations, the most painful situations. Why? Because that's the same way that the glory was revealed in Jesus through the cross and the pain and the suffering came the greatest glory that this world has ever seen. So just because you're going through dark days does not mean that you're outside of the will of God. It might mean that Jesus is sneaking up on you. And then he sneaks up on him and he starts telling him all about himself. It says, verse 25, after they tell him how, after Cleopas tells them how they lost their hope, this is what Jesus says to them. They don't know it's Jesus, but this is what he says. He says, How foolish are you, Raka? A couple weeks ago, you might get that. And how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things to enter into his glory? And then Jesus just starts setting them straight with, with, with the Old Testament, starting with Moses all the way through all the prophets, showing them how the whole Old Testament was pointing to Jesus and what he was going to have to suffer through and what he was going to have to die for. But he wasn't going to stay in the grave, but he was going to become uh, resurrected. And, and they were so intrigued by what this man that they didn't even recognize was telling them about. And, and then they got to their destination. They got to their, their Emmaus after their seven-mile walk. And, and, and there's their sneaky Jesus just, all right, guys, I'll catch you on the flip side later. And, and Jesus just keeps walking. And they say, no, I want more. Will you please come have dinner with us? Please stay in our house. And, and Jesus says, all right, it, because he will always come where he's invited. Wherever Jesus is invited, he, he is waiting to be wanted. He's not pushy, but he wants to be invited. And so they invite him, and, and then all of a sudden, uh, it says, uh, verse 28, this is, this is amazing. As they approached the village which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going to go a little further. And then they invited him in for dinner, verse 30. And then they were at the table with them. And Jesus took the bread, gave thanks, broke the bread, and then he began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized who Jesus was. You have to be broken before you can see who Jesus is. But what I love about this verse it's very telling of how Jesus reveals himself to people because he never said who he was one time, did he? 
Never said, I'm Jesus, I'm the one that, that, that you've, you hung your hopes on and I'm alive. He never said that. And, and what he does is he takes the bread, breaks the bread, blesses the bread, and then he gives the bread. And then they recognized what? They recognized the scars on his wrist as he is giving the bread that he just broke. And in that moment, they recognized and realized that it was him all along. But sometimes it takes a little while. Sometimes it takes some walking. Sometimes it takes you trying to go out in the world and figure it out on your own. Sometimes it takes you being disappointed by other people to realize that it was him all along and to realize that even when you turned your back on him and were talking behind his back, he was beside you the whole time. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And all of a sudden, these disciples saw it was him all along. He was with me in my disappointment. He was with me in the hospital. He was with me in the courtroom. He was with me through the divorce. He was with me when my kids were going crazy. He was with me during every season of my life, and I didn't even recognize it. And I dare some of you to look back at what God has brought you through, and you thought that it was you and your intelligence and your hands that I get to clap and my voice that I get to use, but it was God who blessed you. It was God who birthed you, and he was with you through it all. And what a revelation when you finally realize that. What an amazing moment for these two disciples. And guess what they did? They went back to where they were supposed to be in the first place. Jerusalem. They went back and, and oh, let me ask you this. When they went back, did, was the journey any shorter? Was the road any different? Was their house any different? Was the donkey that they owned any different? No, it wasn't. That's the amazing thing about what Jesus can do for you this morning is you can receive a new revelation to go back to the same house, the same family, the same situation that used to depress you and used to destroy you, but you could go back with a new perspective and a new attitude to realize that it is God who is with me. And if God is with me, he's going to be able to carry me through whatever I'm facing. He's not a remover. See, we always want Jesus, just remove me from this right? Elevator Jesus, right? Genie Jesus. Just rub the Bible and take this away. It's terrible. It's what they've done to me. Just take me to, to, to Madagascar. That looks like a fun place. Yeah, I don't know. Never been there. I just saw the movie. You know, and, and Jesus is like, no, I'm not going to take you out of it. I'm going to take you through it so that I could get the glory out of the suffering that you're facing. That's what he does. Doesn't take us out of it, but he says, I'm by you to take you through it. And these disciples, they, they come back and they are ecstatic. They are so excited. Their hopes are back up. And, and they come back to, to Jerusalem and they find the other 11 disciples. And, and it says that they, they return to the place of Jerusalem, verse 33, and they found the 11 and they assembled together and they said, it is true, Jesus is risen and he's appeared to Simon. And the two of them told him and how it was Jesus they recognized when he broke the bread. That's how they recognized him. And then 
my final point, my final step in this journey, resisting, and then there's revealing, and then there's the third one, which is eyes up here. Don't worry about them. They're just walking. <laughs> Guys have the worst ADD. Church ADD is the worst. I mean, you, you can hear a pin drop and everyone looks to the left like, let's go. Third point, releasing, releasing. And then as they were in Jerusalem where they were supposed to be, suddenly Jesus appears to all of them and proclaims a promise to them, peace be with you. And as Jesus sat with them, he began to tell them their calling and release to them this new anointing and release to them a new revelation of what the church was called to do in the world. But there's a difference between reveal and release, right? Uh, I, I recently went through this. So it was April the 10th when baby Dewey was born. And I got to put my eyes on him. And I got to kiss him. And I got to hold him. And, and if, if, if you've ever been in that same situation, you, you realize it's such a special moment, that, that first kiss and that first time you get to, to hold your son or your daughter and have that moment with, with, with your wife in, in, the, in the delivery room. It's this very special moment. But how, do you, how many of you guys know you don't get to take the baby home with you right then? They don't release the baby yet, do they? No. It was some time until we were able to, to take uh, baby Dewey home. Uh, and let me tell you, that is the moment when most people lose their faith. Is the time between the reveal and the release. When God reveals to you what you're called to do. He reveals to you the plan and the path that he wants to put you on. And then it's some time until you actually get to physically, tangibly walk in it. That is a tough place. That's called space. That's called Saturday. Where everything seems completely silent, and you, you know what God told you, but nothing around you looks like what God told you. I saw it. I got that revelation in church. I, I got that revelation in my prayer life. Someone spoke a word over me. I, I, I was with some, some close friends, and I know where I'm supposed to go. I know this business I'm supposed to start. I, I know this person I'm supposed to pray for. I know this family is going to be restored. I know that this prayer is going to be answered, and I pray, and I pray, but it's Saturday, and now I feel like it's never going to come to pass. I've seen it, but it's not being released. And, and anyone relate to this? Am I the only one? Because that's where faith grows or faith dies. That's where hopes strengthen you or that's where hope deferring breaks you. And here they are, and it's Saturday. And Saturday is a place that could really break you, but Sunday came. And when Sunday came, what was revealed was then released. And what I want to close with now is what Jesus said, because this is, this is how we get through our Saturday. Who wants to get through their Saturday? Where, where you feel like, like, like you saw it, but it's, it's not, this is, this is what we do. This is what Jesus did. Jesus got through Saturday. How did Jesus get through his Saturday? Because at the cross, forgiveness was birthed. Just like Dewey was birthed on April the 10th. Forgiveness was birthed. Healing was birthed. 
deliverance was birthed, but it wasn't released until later on. How do you get through Saturday? This is what Jesus said. Remember, remember the first scripture I read? Now you guys don't remember it. You weren't even paying attention. You taking notes, third row, fourth back? You're not as smart as you think you are. You're not going to remember. You need, you need to take some notes. Ah, Marie, I see you. Teacher's pet. Verse 44, 46. Jesus called that with a loud voice. Last words. This is how you get through your Saturday. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Oh, you missed it. Oh, my God. That's so good. Because that word right there, remember that word I taught you, the Greek word? What was it? Anyone remember? Paradidomai. Remember that? Well, when Luke wrote this gospel, the way he described what Jesus did is he used that same word, paradidomai, that Jesus freely handed over his spirit to his heavenly father. And what, what is amazing is, is Judas handed Jesus over, and, and, then, and then the high priest handed Jesus over to Herod, and then Herod handed Jesus over to Pilate, and then Pilate handed Jesus over to the Roman soldiers, and then Jesus handed his spirit over to his heavenly father. Let me tell you something. Nobody took anything from Jesus. He gave it freely so that he could freely give it to every single one of us. And Judas thought he was in control. Roman soldiers thought they were in control. But Jesus was in control the whole time. And then, and, and I'll tell you what, what he did on Saturday. The Bible talks about it in Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. Didn't tell the first service about this. I just feel compelled to tell you about this. The one who ascended began to descend. And when he descended into Hades, he looked at Satan in the eyes. We read about this in Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. We see the conclusion of what happened. And he looked at him and said, Paradidomai, hand it over. Hand what over? Judgment. Freedom. Why? Because I just paid for it with my perfect sacrifice on Calvary, handed over. And that, I never even said the title of my sermon. Guess what the title of my sermon is? Handed over. Handed over. You want to get through your Saturday? Handed over. You want to get through that waiting period? Handed over. You want to get through depression and discouragement and anxiety? Hand it over. There's a difference between the reveal and the release. And um, Diamond, Diamond uh, she, she's coming to the second service. She watched it the first. And we were talking about this. As I, I always read my sermon to her the night before. And we were talking about our Saturday, right? Our, our, our 10 days of, of waiting and stuff. And so um, we, uh, it was hard. It was really hard not being able to take our son home. Reveal, you see it but you can't take it with you. That sometimes can be so difficult. When you see the picture of what God wants to do in your life, you see it, what God wants to do with your children, what God, you see it, but, but then you look around and, and you, you, it, nothing lines up. And then you start doubting yourself and you start doubting God. And, and we, we, were, we were in a, a tough Saturday for sure. Last Sunday was probably the hardest sermon I've ever had to preach in my life. Totally God's grace got me through that because it was on no sleep, a lot of tears, a lot of stress, a lot of things people tell me that I don't understand. And then I, I remember I was 
with Diamond and we're staying at the Ronald McDonald, BT, the Ronald McDonald House is amazing. That joint. I, I mean, obviously, you know, we want you to donate to the Jersey Shore Dream Center, but let me tell you, the Ronald McDonald House is amazing. Support that place because what they do for families that have kids in the NICU is crazy, man. And so, uh, Diamond and I, we're, we're, we're in there and, and we're getting tired. Diamond is, is really having a tough time. And it, it came on, on Wednesday of last week, this week. I forget, it was all a bore. Wednesday, one of those weeks. <laughs> this week, thank you, Sandy, appreciate that. And we had our, our, our opportunity where they do like the rounds with all the nurses, right? And uh, they, they kind of talk about each, each child that's in the, in the place and what they need to do and what they need to grow with and how they're going to treat them, yada, yada, yada. And so we're talking about Dewey and they all circle around this one nurse. She's like, she's like queen of the nurses. She sits in this rocking chair and all the other nurses just stand around her and bow down to her. And no, they don't do that. Uh, nurses are going to beat me up after the service. I love nurses are amazing. Okay. But um, she, she's in the rocking chair and everyone's assessing uh, Dewey. And then the, the nurse in the rocking chair, uh, I think nurse practitioner, that's what she was. And she, she says uh, to us, do you guys have any other questions before we break the meeting? And uh, Diamond says, can we take him home? <laughs> the only question we really have. And uh, the doctor says, uh, nurse says, um, do you think you're able to take him home? And then I didn't write this sermon then, but if I had, Diamond would have said right in her face, because she said it in different words, paradidomai, hand him over. He's coming home today. And our Saturday for that moment came to an end, but there's more. We face Saturdays all the time. How do we get through our Saturdays? Hand it over. Hand over what? Hand over what you're carrying. Hand over that guilt. Hand over that brokenness. Hand over that pride. The reason Jesus was able to go to the cross was he was able to get rid of his pride when he said, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. There's so much power in releasing the pride in your life and say, God, I want your will to be done through me. You're the one that birthed me. You're the one that created me and you're the one that knows what's best for me. I hand over my will to you. I hand over my spirit to you. And when you do that, I'm not saying when you go home, things are going to change. I'll guarantee you, you're going to go home in the same car with the same husband. And I just got this <laughs> You get the point. But what you get to go home with is a freedom that you don't have to carry that any longer. One of the greatest freedoms that you could have is knowing where your heart is going to be, where your spirit is going to be after this life. Hand it over. Let's just bow our heads right now. What is it for you that God is saying you need to hand over to him? What is it that you've been carrying and people you love might not even know what it is because you're so ashamed of it. So ashamed to even tell people what, what you're carrying because you think judgment is going to come from them. Let me tell you something. 
Judgment may come from other people, but judgment will never come from your heavenly father. That he could look at you and say, just give it to me. Give me your heart. Give me your will. Give me your pride. Give me that bitterness. Yes, they betrayed you. It, it was wrong and it hurt. But you getting wrath and judgment on, it, on them is not going to fix you. I can only fix you, but you have to hand it over. God is speaking to you this morning that there's something that you need to hand over. I just want you to, to lift up your hand with a, with a closed fist right now. God, you see these hands. We know what's inside this fist and, and what we need to release to you this morning, Lord God. We came here this Easter to be able to worship a God who says you could cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. I died for you. So you could release it to me. On the count of three, I just want you, if that's you, I just want you to open up your hand and say, I release this. I release this. One, two, three. Release it right now. Release it to you, God. Release it to you. Before we close, I just want to say this prayer as, as a church family. This is the prayer, prayer of turning back. Just like these disciples, they were in the wrong direction for seven miles and then they saw Jesus and then they came back another way. God has a turnaround for you this Easter Sunday. Let's just all say this together as a church. Dear Jesus, I thank you for the cross, for dying for me and rising again on the third day. I put my hope in you. I put my trust in you. Forgive me of my sins, my transgressions. Make me a new creation. I hand it over to you. The keys to my life, the direction of my future is yours. In Jesus' name. If you're here and, and you said that prayer and you want to turn around and get your life back on the road to Jesus, count of three, just want you to shoot your hands up and then pull it down after about three seconds. That's you. One, two, getting back on the road with Jesus this Easter Sunday. Three, shoot them up right now. Praise God all over this place. Praise you, Jesus. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap and some praise right now. Going back home a new way this Easter Sunday. New joy, new life, new perspective. Amen.